Hello YouTube, welcome back to my channel. Alright, today uh, is actually a vlog and I'm actually vlogging in fact, this vlog I'm so excited because it's bringing me a lot of nostalgic feeling. This was the um, institution I graduated from, University of Joss. The National Association of Nigerian Students has called on all the state governments whose students are still stranded in the University of Jos to evacuate them in record time. The University of Jos has suspended academic activities and closed its hostels. The suspension order was due to the intensified killing of students around the university area shortly after the relaxation of a 24-hour curfew in Jos. According to a press statement signed by the University Registrar, As most of you know, Plateau State, specifically Jos and about three local governments surrounding Jos, have been under some kind of curfew since August 14. On August 14, about 25 travelers were killed as they made their way from Bochi State to Ondo State. They were passing through Rukuba when they were attacked. Rukuba is an area in Jos North local government, and it's about 40 minutes southwest from University of Jos, that's Uni Jos. It's exam period at Uni Jos, and that day, Esther, which is not her real name, she spent the day reading in the cafeteria. Esther is a 200 level student studying mathematics. It's a Saturday, so she didn't have any exams that day. And what you're about to hear is her own account of what she experienced starting that evening after she got back home to her apartment. There are a lot of areas where people just built self-contained houses for students. So we have Ring Road, Rousseau, Faringada. Those are the three main areas where students stay. But then all the others stay in the other hostels. Uh, Zion Hostel, Naraguta Hostel, PG and then Abuja. Esther lives in one of these off-campus apartments not far from Village Hostel. And Village Hostel is one of the main campus hostel sites. Village Hostel is actually connected to the permanent site. So for students staying there, they just easily walk to the lecture halls. But for those of, one, those of us in main camp, we either take a shuttle or a keke to school daily. That's 50 going, 15 are going and then 50 back on a daily basis. That Saturday, it was a normal day for Esther and the other students on campus. Things were quite normal. It was just a normal day for all the students, just going about the activities. And then, well, I went to read that evening at the cafeteria, which is in Village Hostel. And then I went back home by like 7, 7.20ish. And then well, I just got in my room and then wanted to start up dinner. And then... Well, it was quiet for a while, and then all of a sudden, just uh, hearing people screaming and then gunshots, I was quite confused. My first impulse was to put off my light and just like go outside and find out what's happening. And then I just saw my neighbors running out of their rooms also, because we stay in the compound, and they told us that we should all run to village hostel. 
Oftentimes during a crisis, the university grounds are the safest places to be. University grounds have gates surrounding the buildings, so it's not unusual that Esther and her neighbors left their apartments and ran to village hostel. So we ran there and a lot of students were panicking. There was just chaos and gunshots everywhere. Then well, boys were coming out with whatever they could, sticks and knives and whatever, in an attempt to try to defend themselves. So we were, the place was just in chaos for a while, but almost all of us were in village hostel on the streets. They told all of us to stay there. We were just in case we'd all be together and we'd know what was happening. We reviewed the newspapers to try to find reports of shootings that happened that day around the campus, but we couldn't find any mention of it in the dailies. Maybe because that particular night, according to Esther, no student died. And the state didn't report any student deaths that day, but we do know security forces were sent onto the campus. After like an hour of the shootings, um, soldiers came into the school, I think on bikes, like eight to ten of them. And then they went into Russo and well, we just kept on hearing shots firing. And then after a while, it grew quiet. Then they came out, they told us that we weren't the only hostel under attack and, well, there weren't many of them. So they had to go and patrol the other hostel, I think, Naraguta. The soldiers left village hostel to the Naraguta hostel, which is about 10 minutes away. The fence at the Naraguta side was broken, so the risks on that side were higher. So... We just, everybody was trying to be calm, but well, as usual, people were panicking and girls were just shouting. And then after a while, the governor, the hostel governor called all of us. He just told us to find a place to stay in the hostel for those of us staying in Russo. But then I didn't really have any friends that I could stay with and I wasn't really comfortable with the whole idea. So I just, I actually went back to my apartment that evening where very, very few people just walked in and locked everywhere and put out the lights and I don't think I slept that night. That night, Esther did not sleep. All night she was getting calls from her family and friends who were checking up on her and making plans to evacuate her the next morning. So my dad arranged with me to come pick me up at Angwa, Angwa That's like 17 era from where I stay. Told me to take a cake in the morning to bring me there and then he was going to come pick me up. So early the next morning, Esther set out to find the keke. That's the commercial tricycle. I think I went out of the gate. My friend helped me hold a few things. And then we were trying to get a keke, but there were very few. And then none of them was going towards that area. So I was now beginning to wonder, this one, this one and none of them is actually going there. Everything is actually okay. The area where Esther's father told her to meet him is the same area where the travelers were killed. So it wasn't surprising when none of the keke drivers wanted to go in that direction. But then I finally got one. My dad's instruction was that I should take one alone 
I stick it drop. But the guy had like two other people inside. And then I was like, he's the only one I got. But then again, my dad told me this, so I'd rather just listen. Just told the guy to go. And it was actually only about five days later that the Guardian reported the death of a hundred level student. The student was stabbed in a keke on his way to the campus. So Esther continued to wait for another keke. And then while we're still standing there, just like three minutes later, just so people started running from the Ferengada axis, and then we started hearing gunshots again. The Ferengada axis is where Village Hostel is, where the students are. And cars were just speeding by because there were a lot of parks there. So we cars at the park were just speeding by and then the security at the gate signaled all of us standing there to come back inside the hostel. So the shootings were actually worse than the ones that happened the previous night. And then those that weren't able to get into the hostel in time were killed. We have confirmed based on a report from The Guardian that on that day, the 15th, there were attacks in Ferengada and other parts of the city, just like Esther said. But in the moment, Esther didn't really know what was going on. And we were just standing outside, wondering what was going on. And then we started hearing news that they actually went towards the Naraguta axis again and students were being killed there. Newspapers had actually not really started reporting student deaths until a few days later. The first reports that we saw came on the 20th of August. Four students were reported dead, including the one who was stabbed in the keke, and several others were either missing or injured. And that day, Sunday, even though Esther and her friends didn't have specific information on who died, they were hearing that students were among the dead, and they started to panic. Last Sunday, the gunshots lasted for like two, three hours. So we were all just panicking and my dad just told me to stay back. So we just stayed put and tried to be as calm as possible. But then we were getting reports that actually students actually died. So it was a bit uncertain for most of us. Meanwhile, Esther's parents were doing everything they could to get her back home. And then, I think by 3 p.m. or so, my uncle, that's in the military, came to pick me up. And so I was able to get home. But then I kept correspondence with those in the hostels. And the next, I think on Tuesday, they began to send buses to come and pick people up with escorts, so students were actually being able to evacuate, were able to evacuate students from the hostel area. We know that starting Monday the 16th, state governments were sending security forces to evacuate the indigents of their state. For example, by August 20th, Kaduna State evacuated all 87 of their indigents from Unijos. When we interviewed Esther, she was safe at home, and we discussed the impact of these events on her and her friends. We'll play that part of the interview for you now. Um, what were some of the thoughts that were running through your head? 
Well, crazy things. I, um, I just imagine like seeing someone at my window pointing a gun at me or something. It was just crazy. I was just ready to run again if need be. Did you find that um, other of your classmates, were they also ready to run or were some of them ready to defend themselves? Um, well, most of the boys were talking about defending themselves, but then, well, we were just concerned about preserving our lives and running if we had to. Did you know any of the students that died? Yes, just one. Not personally, but he, we attended the same secondary school and we, were, we just talked a little on Facebook. So right now, all of the students have been evacuated? Yes. Okay, so everybody is home. Yes. And are you guys communicating with each other on WhatsApp? Yes, we are. So what's what's the general conversations like? What are you guys discussing? Are you trying to figure out what happened or are you just trying to console each other? What are your discussions like? Um, well, most people are fearful. People are talking about transferring and leaving the university to go to another one. Some are, well, it's maybe funny, but some are actually talking about dropping out and just chasing business because it looks like Coming to school, they aren't safe and other things like that. Hmm. What about you? You're you're studying mathematics. What were you hoping yeah. to do with your math degree? Mm, nothing. <laughs> so, was was mathematics your choice, or did you just have to do it? I just had to do it. If you if you could choose what to study, what would you choose? Uh, electrical engineering. Okay. You think that's more passion? You have more passion for that? Yes, I do. Okay. So now what do you think? Do you think you want to continue with school or do you also want to stop and do business? <laughs> well, my parents would kill me. I have to finish school. Good. Do you think you'll transfer or do you think you'll go back to Joss? I, I'll go back to Joss. I've been here almost all my life, so. Is this the first time you've experienced something like this? Uh, no. Okay. When was the last time you experienced this? 2008. And then in Kaduna, 2018, I think, yes, 2018. Okay, so, but you experienced Joss in 2008. How, but you must have been... In what, primary or secondary school at that point? Which? It's primary. You were in primary, yeah? Do you have, do you remember? Uh, yes. I, well, I was just me and my immediate elder sister in primary school by then. I think she was in primary five when I was in primary three. And we were in school that day. And um, we just, they just called us out for an emergency assembly and then they told us that we had to go back home because it wasn't safe so well we couldn't get to our parents at that point and we didn't have lockers in school so we literally had to carry heavy bags to and from school every time and our house was quite far 
But then, well, my sister, she was brave and she just came to my class. She took my hand. She actually carried my bag also with hers. And then we were running home. And along the way, I think we met uh, a mom coming to pick us up. Hmm. Do you, comparing the memories from that time till, till now, is there anything different that you're feeling now that you're a bit older? Well, then you, not so, so much happened around me. It was just, we just kept on hearing news and then the curfew. But I think this, this is the first time that I've actually been in the midst of it while it's happening. And everything so i don't know it's a bit unsettling now then i just knew that well crisis was going on and it wasn't safe and you just had to stay home and keep your head down why do you think it's it's a bit more unsettling now well it's quite hard seeing that you were literally talking to someone today and you're gone tomorrow. And it's literally for no reason at all, just because, I don't know. It's, it, it just makes you think, well, this could be me and I'm no more today. I'm just here today and well, I may be beating my last tomorrow. How do you think that changes the way your 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 life is going to go moving forward? I think it's making me take everything important, like take a little, take a take everything a little bit more importantly, like. Spending those little moments with my family, even like the ones that I'm not so happy about, but at least we're there for the meantime and like we have each other. And well, <laughs> I was never a very big school enthusiast, but then those guys were like the guy that was my meeting in my friend from secondary school that passed. Well, he was actually good and he was excelling and well, all of a sudden he's no more. And very soon, some people actually forget that he actually existed ever and you just move on with life like you were never there. What was his name? Stephen. Stephen. What, do you know his family name? Uh... We just call him Stephen Bloss. I actually never found out his family name. Stephen Bloss. What was he studying? He was studying political science. Okay. He, was he passionate about it? He was actually. Hmm. So now you're at home. Um, your parents are obviously happy to have you home. How are they, how are they feeling? Um, well, my <laughs> my mom has been saying that that going to school from home because she doesn't trust the hostels anymore, and well, she has just for the first few days I was home, she just kept on lamenting 
I think she was trying to put herself in the shoes of the parents that lost their children. Because she just kept on saying that you sent your child to school and they are bringing back cops for you. She just kept on repeating that thing for a few days. And she just kept on calling my uncle, the one that brought me back home, to tell him thank you. And oh, just it's quite unsettling for her because she, we don't even go out much because she's saying anything can happen and she doesn't want us to be caught in the middle of it in the meantime. And is your dad also happy you're home? He is. Good. Well, we're also happy you're home and we're very sorry for the loss of your your friends. Um, Thank you. And um, yeah, when this whole thing settles, we hope you finish your degree. Thank you. And thank you very much for your time. Thank you, too. All right. Take care. As of today, the government has yet to release the full list of students who died, and we know that some UNIJUST staff are missing as well. The only three students we can say for certain have passed on, based on multiple news reports, are Doris Beatrice, Bagu Christopher, and Jeremiah Matthews Dalong. May their souls rest in peace. We use several sources in our work, and we include links to many of our sources in our episode notes. I want to talk about one particular source that we used for this episode. We came across a video that Asma'u Zakaria uploaded on her YouTube channel. Asma'u is a graduate of UniJoss, and in the video, she's taking us through a tour of the campus. We're going to include a link to her full video in our episode notes, but I want to play a few seconds of that video for you to hear. The school is not on session everywhere, it's empty, but then there are non-academic staffs around. So our vlog, like, I don't know I'm excited about this. It's, oh my God, you know, I've even met one of my classmates already. Actually, he works in the ICT department. So I'm so excited. You know, when your um, memories are coming back, when um, your, you know, I don't know. Let's just go. Let's just go because I don't want to start crying. I'll get emotional right now. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can actually see Asma'u's face. But you don't need to see her face to feel how excited she was to be back on campus. For a lot of people, the university experience is exactly what Asma'u is trying to describe. There's no amount of money that can replace that experience. There are no words that can truly describe it. For me, the university experience represents the hero's journey. Yes, the journey is relatively safe and it happens in the protected environment of the university, but it's still a journey. The person who walked through the university doors in the first year is not the same person who walks out in that final year. And in the end, it honestly doesn't matter what you studied, or what your CGPA was. What matters is who you are when you walk out of those doors. And who you are is a sum total of what you know, 
what you experience and how you choose to remember those experiences. And that last bit, how you choose to remember the experience, is much more important than you know. Memories are the one thing that you can control. So to the University of Jaws students, may your memories be peaceful. The Backstory is brought to you by Triple E Media Productions. Production copyright 2021 Triple E Media Productions. If you enjoyed this episode of The Backstory and want to hear more, subscribe to our 234 Audio YouTube channel. Episodes of this podcast and our other podcasts can also be found on our website, 234audio.com, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Backstory was produced by Antonieta Kalunta, Nabila Usman, Dominic Tabakaji, and Sam Tabakaji. Executive Producer, Ramat Muhammad. Special thanks to Richard Anyabe, John Iwodi, Rabia Hadeja, and Mala Iwa Bagduo Ikaleku. If you are interested in sponsoring this program, reach out to us at 0818-230-1234 or email us at info at 234audio.com. I'm Ramat Mohammed. See you next week.